Let's pray together. Lord, there's so many people involved in the life of our church, and uh, every Sunday our folks are here to worship and sing and, and to praise you, and then there's all the people leading and working, and Lord, we're just so grateful, grateful for this body of Christ, grateful for each person, grateful that you chose to put us in this place at this time, and that in this place we're called to worship and adore you and serve you. So Lord, I pray that what I share now would be pleasing unto you, that it would be worshipful, that it would encourage and help your people. And Lord, most of all, that it would bring glory to your name. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. We're continuing our work in uh, John, and we're still in John chapter 8. It's quite a long uh, chapter. This will probably be our, our last one, even though it's not the last segment in John 8. But uh, when I get back, we'll probably move on to, to John 9. But today I want to look at one more uh, section at least. John 8, verses 31 to 36. You can follow along in your Bibles or we have it here uh, on the screen as well. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son re remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Amen. John chapter 8 uh, has been rather hard hitting. Jesus has been locked in confrontation with the Jews. And remember I told you early on when we began in John that when John says the word Jews, he doesn't mean all of the Jews. Uh, some of the Jews actually trusted in Jesus. But when John uses the term Jews, most of the time he's speaking of the religious authorities. And even among the religious authorities, there were some like Nicodemus who were not entirely confrontational. But in John chapter 8, and even going back to John chapter 5 and all the chapters in between, Jesus has been in a heated clash with the Jewish authorities. There's been a confrontation over Jesus' healing on the Sabbath. And the question has been asked, does he have the authority to do so? The religious authorities opposed Jesus over his claim to be the bread of life that came down from heaven. The authorities even sent officers to arrest Jesus. But when they, when they came and they heard Jesus, they so marveled at his teaching, particularly his teaching about being living water, uh, that they could not arrest him. Then the authorities put Jesus in what they thought was a no-win situation. They confronted him regarding a woman caught in adultery. There was again a dispute when Jesus taught that he was the light of the world. And then as if all these previous hostilities weren't enough, Jesus in our text suggests that the Jewish leaders and the people might actually be in bondage. And it is truth that will set them free. 
Of course, the religious leaders, they struggle with this teaching and, and his accusations. And here's the deal. People throughout history have sought truth. And at the same time, people throughout history have struggled with truth. At Jesus' trial, Jesus said to Pilate, for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. To which Pilate answered, what is truth? Pilate sounds like many today who deny that there are any absolute truths, but I get ahead of myself. During the Enlightenment, those in Europe and America in particular thought that somehow we could formulate the perfect philosophical plan, that we would have this philosophical system, and that human reason, they believe, would fully explain all reality. Human reason would discover the answers to all of life's questions and solve all the world's problems. It's said that some believe that human intellect and scientific discovery would eventually create a, a utopia. Humans thought they knew it all. And if they didn't, they would learn the truth and therefore they begin to lose interest in God and in scriptures. But two horrendous world wars and the evil of the Holocaust in particular shattered the optimism of the Enlightenment. With the dropping of the atomic bomb and the later threat of nuclear war, the optimism of the Enlightenment gave way to pessimism and skepticism. And humans began to ask, is there any universal truth? Today's postmodernism takes up that very argument that there are no absolute truths. Postmoderns claim the people, what people believe are societal norms based on where they happen to live. They, they argue that it may be true for you, but it's not true for me. Which is insane. Or at the very least, totally illogical, if you stop to think about it. Because they made it a universal truth that there are no universal truths. It, it makes no sense. It's not defendable. Further, if something is true, it's true whether you and I choose to believe it or not. If postmoderns are willing to be truthful, the notion of no absolute truths has more to do with their desire to sin freely. If there are no absolute truths, then everyone can do what is, quote, right for them. Therefore, the noblest virtue, according to the postmodern, is tolerance of other people's views. Of course, that virtue is not even held by these folks, for it quickly becomes obvious that the only group of people they cannot tolerate are the people who will not tolerate all views. It makes no sense. And this is where the Bible and Bible-believing churches and Bible-upholding Christians clash with this postmodern world. 
For we proclaim that the Bible is timeless truth. It is truth that is absolute for all people in all cultures and at all times. People may reject it, but it's still the truth about God and humankind and good and evil and life and death and salvation. And we see Jesus making that claim today. That's part of what's going on in our text. He begins verse 31 by saying to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. Some of the Jews had apparently begun to believe in Jesus. They, they believed that he was who he said he was. But Jesus begins to make clear that, that belief in him is going to require more than intellectual assent. Leon Morris in his commentary suggests that these Jews believed and yet they had not believed. That they may have believed intellectually, but they had not yielded complete trust to Jesus. So Jesus makes clear here that full belief is going to require obedience. It's going to require you and I to abide in God's word. Ultimately, it's going to ask us to live by the truth of Scripture. Genuine faith is going to manifest itself in a changed life, one marked by obedience to the Word of God. Jesus, throughout the Gospel of John, is very clear about this obedience thing. John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. John 15, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And then verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. If we accept the truth, beloved, that Jesus is our Savior, then we must obey him as Lord. And that's where the quote postmodern struggles with Jesus. There's an unwillingness to acknowledge that he is the truth, for that will require bringing our lives into conformity with his teaching. But Jesus continues, verse 32, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. If we trust in Jesus and obey his word, then we're going to know the truth and the truth is going to set us free. And this freedom is spiritual freedom. It's spiritual freedom. The religious leaders didn't understand. They didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. And so they immediately argued, verse 33, we are offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Well, not only did they not understand, but they also were in denial. They had actually been enslaved to many, to the Egyptians. They had been dominated at times by the Philistines. They had been exiled to Babylon, Assyria. And even at that very moment, they were in bondage to the Romans. But the freedom Jesus was speaking of was freedom from spiritual bondage, freedom from falsehood, freedom from Satan, freedom from condemnation and judgment, freedom from sin and sin's punishment, 
freedom from eternal death. You see, Jesus came to liberate lost sinners. In his hometown synagogue in Nazareth, Jesus read from the prophet Isaiah and he declared the following prophecy was fulfilled in himself, Luke 4, verses 18 to 19. And you can also find that in Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, Jesus came to set us free, to give us liberty from sin and all the consequences of sin. The problem is that like the Israelites, many today are in denial. And they're not in denial of physical bondage, they're in denial of spiritual bondage. Many are like the alcoholic who says, I, I don't really have a problem. I, I can quit any time I want to. Or, or we're like that frog in a pot of water and the heat has been gradually turned up, but we don't realize that we're being boiled alive. When we're in bondage to sin, you see, we struggle to recognize it. I worry about much of our culture who does not believe in absolute truth. I believe they're in such bondage that they cannot see it and turn to the truth, Jesus. And if we're concerned for, for such folks, we shouldn't spend all of our time uh, arguing with them or judging them. Rather, we should spend our time praying that they will see the truth and the truth will set them free. I'm also concerned for the person who says they're a Christian and yet at some level they still believe in a works righteousness. You see, when we're in bondage to sin, we're pretty good at minimizing our enslavement. We're, we're pretty good at saying, I'm not so bad. I'm not so bad. I just need to make a few adjustments, a few tweaks here and there, and I'll be okay. Continuing with the frog illustration, let me share another I read this week. A poor frog fell into a large milk can. And for some of you younger ones, you may not even know what a milk can uh, is, but uh, it's cylindrical, about a foot across and about two feet high. Uh, and it, it kind of fans out at the top and had a, had a lid on it. So think about that. A, a frog falls into a milk can. And try as he might, he could not paddle to the side and climb out. Nor did the milk provide enough resistance for him to jump out. So he decided there was only one thing for him to do. He would paddle and paddle and paddle until he had churned a pad of butter. And from that pad of butter, he could jump out of the milk can. It's absurd, right? The only hope for that frog, whether in boiling water or in a milk can, is for someone to reach down and scoop him up and scoop him out. A person in bondage to sin thinks that they can just make a few adjustments and, and somehow be good enough by just paddling and paddling, but they do so to no avail. 
The only hope for us is for someone to reach down and to pull us out. And praise God, someone has reached down and he's pulled us out and his name is Jesus Christ. And it's by knowing and trusting him and his truth that only he can break the chains of bondage. Only he. If you've never surrendered, if you've never surrendered and you're, you're tired of paddling and paddling and paddling and you're willing to admit you can never set yourself free, I urge you to come to the way and the truth and the life. He will set you free. And if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. But as I look out this morning, I, I trust I'm looking at a lot of people who I believe Jesus is the truth. That we know Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. We know He's our Savior. We've got the fire insurance. We've got the get-out-of-jail-free card. We've been scooped out of the boiling water or the milk can, if you will. But I want to ask, is Jesus our Lord? Is He our Lord? Look back at verse 31. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. Jesus says the proof is in abiding in his word. The proof is in knowing the truth and living the truth. Listen, beloved, we'll never be good enough. But once we know the truth of God's grace, we want to prove it by living that truth. We have a hunger for knowing God's word and abiding in God's word. We have a desire to know what Christ taught and, and know how he lived, and then we want to seek to live in accordance. And I want to say something this morning, beloved. This whole segment of John's gospel has been hard driving. And I've been worried that, that perhaps at times I've seemed and come across as almost angry. And if I have... I apologize. That was certainly never my intention. And I don't ever want to make the mistake of presenting Jesus as somehow angry at you. I love God's church. I love God's people. And you know what? Jesus loves us even more. But I also know, at least in my life, he wants so much more from me. He wants more of me. I just know the Lord wants to see us grow and change and, and follow His truth, the truth, more fully. And so if you're struggling to abide in God's Word, if you're struggling to abide in Jesus and His Word, I want to tell you the first thing to not do today. Please don't leave this place and beat yourself up. Do not go off and beat yourself up. Please do not. That'll only turn up the heat more and more, and you'll just keep trying to paddle to no avail. Yes, be honest. Yes, be honest with the Lord. He already knows and confess where you're struggling. Don't just shrug it off. But can I urge you to trust anew in Christ? Only He can set us free. Only He by His Holy Spirit can, can empower you and I to abide in Him and trust in Him and, and to walk by His Word. 
So as you leave today, trusting in him, you might ask very simply, Lord, lift me out of any bondage that I'm still enslaved to. Lord, lift me out of any bondage that I'm still enslaved to, whether it's bondage to a particular sin or maybe it's bondage to trying to be good enough. And Lord, show me one way this week. Lord, I'm asking for just one way, way this week that I might more fully abide in you. Walk with me, Lord, and set me free so that I can abide with you. And then please always remember, those whom the Lord has set free, they are free indeed. Let's pray together. Lord, if there's anyone listening who has not accepted you as the way and the truth and the life, just ask that you would draw them unto you this morning. That you would set them free. That you would tear away the chains of bondage. But Lord, others of us, we, we know you are the truth. But it's time for us to go into a deeper obedience unto you. It's time, Lord, for us to abide more fully in you and in your word. So, Lord, would you help us this week, whatever we're doing, where we're at, to take the next faithful step? Walk with us, Lord, and set us free that we might abide in you. We want to be free indeed. And Lord, for each one of us, that next step is going to be different. So just begin to reveal that to our hearts even now. But I pray, Lord, that, that what these dear children of yours would not do, I pray against them leaving here to beat themselves up. If I've said something wrong or somehow made them think that you're angry, I pray, Lord, that you will, they will not leave here thinking that you are angry at them, but, but knowing that they are your beloved and you want what's best for them. You just want to see us all grow and change and become more like Christ. So set these people free, Lord. Set them free indeed. And to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all glory, praise, and honor today and forevermore. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you today and forevermore. Amen.